This is our top 10 movies of 2023. Yeah. Welcome to the Written by Podcast, the number one podcast in the world. Right behind all the other ones. Right behind all the other ones. But we are the primary location if you want to know the best movies of the past year to watch. <laughs> Don't go to the Oscars. Don't go to the Emmys. Yeah. BAFTAs. You want to come right here. Written by podcast. Yeah, bro. Oscars don't know sh dog. <laughs> you wanna know <laughs> you wanna know who really knows movies? Two white guys yeah. with a podcast. Hey, all I'm saying, I would have nominated a Greta Gerwig. So For best director. <laughs> Dude, I've been seeing all the backlash about it. Yeah. And then there's <laughs> my favorite was when they were like, Wow, Margot Robbie didn't get nominated for Best mm -hmm. Actress. I guess women can't have sh like anything. Yeah. And they're like, guys. Four other women were nominated over her. Yeah, it, wasn't it is like a category of all women. women. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Now Greta Gerwig, that's a different story. Yeah, that's a different story. But the, it also people people are acting like Margot Robbie isn't nominated. She's a producer right. on Barbie, so yeah. she is like, if Barbie wins Best Picture, she does get the trophy. And another thing I think people forget is just because Barbie's really good doesn't make it an Oscar movie. You know what I mean? It is a blockbuster. Yeah. It, it's like a Marvel movie. I mean, it's not like a Marvel movie, but <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like Indiana Jones. Yeah. I think it's a, it was a missed opportunity for the Oscars because it's a, it's a really popular movie yeah. that does have artistic merit, like it's, aside it's, from like other popular movies. Right. Like Black Adam doesn't deserve the exactly. Oscars, but like right. no, yeah. Barbie, you could make the case for. And it's nominated for best picture. It's true. You yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. it's just like, now I do think it's a shame Greta wasn't nominated. Yeah. But it's like, I don't know if there should be a backlash. Hillary Clinton is tweeting about it. Hasn't said anything about the war going on in the Middle East. That but is made sure true. She had to make a statement about the Barbie. That is true. Slander. They can't say shit about the Middle East, but they will. She's like, okay. They will wax poetic about movies. For she's been waiting for some. Ever since Pokemon Go to the polls, yeah. she's been waiting for her opportunity. Yeah. So I, I will say, going into my top 10 movies. Yeah. I didn't realize until I looked back how many good movies Dude. came out. Like I, I saw none of them. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. So I, I, I feel like I looked back on the year like oh, it was whatever year for movies, and I feel like I must have just not in, been in a good place this year or last year. Because looking back this year, it's like no, a lot of good stuff. And I had a really hard time narrowing down a list. Uh, yeah. And, and what what I did is I left some things off. Because there are some things that I left off my list that I'm pretty sure will be on yours. And so okay. we'll still get to talk about them. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm just saying that I don't want anyone to be bad that Barbie isn't in my top 10. <laughs> I, I like the movie, but... Yeah, no, I agree. I figured it might be in yours and uh, we'd still discuss it. <laughs> maybe. It might be. We'll see. We watched uh, it together. Yes, we and did. And I loved it. it. Yeah. And you liked yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't mean that's my favorite. <laughs> Are we also snubbing Barbie? Is I think we might. Because well, here's the thing. This is our top 10 favorite movies of yeah. 2023. It's not yeah. what we think are the best movies yeah. of 2023. Um, I, I do want to say this about my list. I realized I haven't watched some of the movies that I thought I did. Okay. Because there are some pretty big movies this year that I think I just assumed I saw. Really? Like Killers of the Flower Moon. I forgot I haven't seen that movie. <laughs> so I went to go How put it on my list <laughs> and then realized I haven't seen this movie. Poor <laughs> Things, Killers of the Flower Moon, uh, uh, Wes Anderson's uh, Asteroid City, Asteroid City yeah. and then uh, an, uh, probably another big one that you'll have on your list. Okay. Haven't seen them. 
Forgot I hadn't seen them. Almost put them on my list. (laughs) So I had to put Ninja Turtles. (laughs) My number 10 is a little little Netflix movie called May December. This also like got snubbed from the Oscars. Except for I think it got a screenplay nomination. Which makes sense because also going along with Barbie, what I've noticed about the Oscars is a lot of films that are really weird and have a kind of lighter comedic tone. They don't get a lot of major awards, but they do get screenplay awards. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that, that kind of falls in line. But May, December is a kind of dark comedy. Uh, also, like, it's very dramatic, but then out of nowhere, it'll just punch you with a really comedic moment. Yeah. It is such a fascinating tone to me. And I don't even want to give away what the movie's about. about. Cause like if you go into it blind, the moment you discover it is, really is so weird. But it it, <clears throat> it is something that almost shouldn't work. And that's part of what makes it so cool. Makes it so funny. Yeah. Is cause it 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 flirts with getting really uncomfortable and then Ooh. like ropes you back in at the moment where you think it's about to go too far. Like it's yeah, it's a really fun watch. Natalie Portman also great in it. I need to watch that movie. Yeah. I thought I did. <laughs> Cause I've been like enjoying all of the discourse about like, you yeah. know, the the actor uh from the Riverdale That's series. Right. Also stepped for the Oscars. It yeah. looked like he had some buzz, but And I was just like I was like, Yeah, he deserved it. Yeah. And I was like, Oh wait, I haven't seen that movie. He could suck. I don't know. I haven't seen it. You just vicariously through tweets. I mean, yeah. I will say there are some movies like a Everybody says that Zone of Interest is great. It's a great movie. Yeah. Got a bunch of nominations. It hasn't been distributed wide yet. So so no one's seen it. Yeah, no one has seen it. Only in like the big cities where award stuff happens have people seen this movie. Okay, okay. My number 10, a little film you guys might have heard of, Mm -hmm. uh, directed by Robert Farrell, (laughs) Trouble Date. (laughs) Trouble Date came out this year. It's a short film. Heck and that yeah. counts. Yep. Short films count because they're okay. nominated for Oscars. Okay. Uh, yeah, Trouble Date. One of my favorite movies from this year. What, what was your favorite part about that? Uh, me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's my 10th favorite movie cool. of the I year. I mean, I do like the movie, and I think anybody that's watching that hasn't seen it should, should watch click it. Click the link in the description yeah. to the film. My number nine is a movie called Monster. Now, this is a... Oh. This is a Japanese movie. This was this was where I was like, I could put Barbie here, but <laughs> not a lot of people are talking about Monster, and I feel like it's a yeah. really great movie. But uh, this director, uh, I don't know exactly how to pronounce his name, so I won't, but he, he's been around for a while doing Japanese and Korean movies, but he okay. has had a recent stretch of three movies that are just incredible. Just bangers. I wouldn't directly compare it to Parasite, but if you're a fan of the way that the narrative of Parasite evolves and switches, like this, this is a really unique movie to watch. And it kind of like opens you up to what, how you could do screenwriting in different ways than yeah. what's normal. Dude, I love stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's super sick. Okay, my number nine. And this is where we're going to realize right away we're different people. <laughs> okay. My number nine, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. Nice. Uh, super fun. I, I'm a huge fan of um, the Ninja Turtles. 
I've seen pretty much all of the adaptations, yeah. and I think that they did a really good job of doing something different without yeah. straying too far off. Yeah. And it was just, I mean, it was fun, man. I didn't see Spider-Verse, uh-huh. so I probably would have put Spider-Verse here. Yeah. But uh, Ninja Turtles Ninja Turtle is one of those movies, I really enjoyed it. I don't think about it every day, so it's not like you know my favorite movie of the world. Yeah. But I was like, oh, dude, what a fun movie. I love Ninja Turtles. It was good. Yeah. Number nine. <laughs> no, I I liked it a lot. It's a, uh, it's directed by one of the co-directors of Mitchell's versus the Machines. Mm-hmm. Like the uh, the other guy that directed that, it was like his life story. So most of the attention went to him. But this guy like co-directed that movie. And this yeah. was his first like solo thing. So good, yeah. man. And, and you can definitely tell like Seth Rogen produced it. Yeah. And I remember like when the movie was first announced, and Seth Rogen was like, "Look." If there's one, if there's one thing we know how to do, it's how to make teenage, how to write teenagers. Yeah, and I think he was exactly right. It, it was it it felt very much like current day teenagers yeah. as opposed to get a writers bacon, egg, in their forties. Bacon yeah. egg and cheese, bacon egg and cheese, so funny. Also, I feel like it's probably the first instance of the word riz being used in, in a, a movie. movie. <laughs> yeah, well, because that's the thing; they just let those teenagers in the booth, yeah. and just let them go. But they also they so must have they must have done some stuff really recently because i feel like at the time they started that movie i don't think riz was even i think i read a thing that said that they recorded the movie as written yeah and then they were recording a scene where they just kind of let them the kids improv it yeah and they were like and they were like talking over each other Uh, and everything they were like and so they redid everything yeah i think which you could you could tell just how naturalistic that dialogue feels dude you want to know something crazy yeah there's a there's a podcast I think it's called script apart. It's where they, uh, yeah, they take writers and they have them talk about the first draft of their movies and how it differentiates from from, what's on screen. Yeah. That's sick. They had the guy that wrote this movie on. Oh, apparently the entire movie was pitched to something completely different. And they spent a really long time working on this movie. It was supposed to be like teenage mutant Ninja turtles go to high school. And it's like a high school movie. And it wasn't working. And in the span of like three days or something, they completely from scratch wrote a new draft that is pretty much what the movie is now. That's crazy. Oh, that's another thing about the first draft is the villain was going to be kind of based on Vince Vaughn. That makes sense. And then they had like a come to Jesus moment where they were like, hey, are kids even into Vince Vaughn? (laughs) (laughs) All right, my number eight is a movie you haven't seen, but it's Killers of the Flower Moon. I thought I saw it. Yeah. I I, I do kind of get how you could read so much on Twitter about yeah. movies. You kind of absorb opinions. And it's yeah. like, oh, that was a good movie. And then you realize, oh, wait, I never... I never saw it. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, Scorsese. He, he said something to the effect of he's just now realized what cinema can do Dang. and it sucks because now he's Almost old dead it only has so much time left that was but really uh of me to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh you you could tell with this like it's a it's a movie that only someone with that much experience could, could pull make off. yeah it it takes a really interesting perspective like there there's something to it's a movie written and directed 
by white people about Native right. Americans. And so there are a million ways that could go wrong. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the approach they took was the right one. Yeah, I don't want to like even, spoil anything in it. I mean, but... even him being in the movie and pretty much calling himself out. Yeah, that's the other thing is uh, the uh, the last seed really puts things into perspective, yeah. which I thought was really interesting. And it kind of, it almost sums up his whole career in a way. Yeah. It was really cool to watch. And also it it is a super long movie. It is like the shortest three hour movie I feel like I've ever seen because every moment is really engaging and keeps you asking questions. I've seen a lot of other long movies this year that like I thought were good, but at a certain point of time, I was like, okay, when is this going to pick up? Okay, maybe we should be wrapping things up. But with this movie, when I like just happened to look at my phone for the first time and, and it was three like, hours in, I was like, I'm not even ready for this to end yet. That's like, awesome. It's, yeah. I gotta watch this movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> you you wanna know the longest movie ever? I don't even know the runtime. Okay. House of Gucci. That movie <laughs> is eight hours long. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's my, your number eight? My number eight. Probably a bit of a controversial pick. Okay. Saltburn. Okay. Now, immediately. I want to say all of the criticisms on this movie, all the critiques are 100% correct. Okay. However, I had a really fun time watching it, and I do think that the performances are really beautiful. I think there's some of my favorite performances ever. Yeah. So that's why it's my number eight. Okay. We've we've talked about Saltbird a lot, a but lot, I also, yeah. I kind of have the same opinion as you. I get all the criticism and it has kind of affected how I look back on the movie, but I did have a great time watching it. I love the performance. I also just love the the whole atmosphere. Like, mm-hmm. I for, I'm blanking on her name, but... Uh, the director? Yeah, but for all her fault, she is an incredible visual director. Oh, yeah. And you mix in, like, kind of the, the symbolism of... Is it Midsummer's Night Dream, the, the Shakespeare play they were riffing off of, or... I actually I hadn't heard that. Is that what they're doing? Is this based on Midsummer's Night Dream? Uh, it's not based on it, but it, it has some imagery. Like when they're at the party and one of them has a certain, like all of them have costumes that are kind of oh lifted from Shakespeare. I don't know. Because like, I'm, I'm not that big of a Shakespeare head, so I wouldn't yeah, yeah. know all the symbolism, but I know it looked cool. It did. And that's the thing. Yeah. It looked awesome. Yeah. And, it, and there was like a cozy feel to that whole movie. Yeah. I just, yeah, I really loved it. Yeah. But I do agree with the critiques of that movie. So, like, <laughs> it's a weird, like... Yeah. It's like everybody that's hating on it, I do think is right. Yeah. But also, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> We've also talked about this. Uh, Ao Edavari, her, uh, yes. her letterbox Edibri. review of this. So good. So, so good. funny. And the haters made her delete it, which yeah. is And now she wrong. doesn't do fun... Letterbox review. She was my favorite letterbox follow, and Saltbird people ruined it. Like I like Saltbird, but (laughs) yeah, her her review was uh oh, so he could do all that he could do all that with the bathtub, but he won't eat runny eggs, which is just so so funny, so good. (laughs) Okay, my number seven is the holdovers. Yeah, another one that I thought I'd (laughs) see. To be fair, we uh, we were trying to get a group together to see it, yeah. and then everyone in the group Watched saw it. it. <laughs> and then I showed up, and everyone had seen it. 
I was like, I, cause I was the first one to see it. So it's not like I betrayed right. you, no, but no, I was no. like, Hey, I will watch it again with all of you. And they were and all like, everyone yeah. else in the group watched it. Yeah. Like I remember, uh, we got a, a text in the group chat, not a day after we made the plans. Yeah. It was like, Hey, I went ahead and watched this movie cause I had promised my girlfriend that we would watch together. Mm-hmm. I'm still excited to watch it with you guys. It was really good. I was like, okay, well, you know, two and two. Yeah. And then, like, the next week, the third person was like, yeah, dude, great movie. I'm like, (laughs) not only a great movie, but also, like, no one was really expecting it to be that great. It has the best of what Alexander Payne does Does. with just a little something extra. It's just a movie with a lot of heart Mm -hmm. in it. It's really funny and lighthearted and cozy, but then it gets really dramatic and serious then it's heartwarming at the end. It makes you laugh. It makes you cry. It's also technically a Christmas movie, yeah. so it has that going for it. It's just a big ball of feelings, and yeah, it's a it's a great watch. Paul Giamatti also probably yeah, gives dude. the best performance of his career, dude. and he himself is a very underrated actor. Oh, He's yeah. had a long, incredible career, so the fact that he's still doing his best work now is crazy. My number seven. Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. I will say this is this is one of those movies that I I wish could have cracked the top 10. Yeah. It's like that is that is an all around solid just, movie. I mean, it's not anything groundbreaking. It was mm-hmm. a fun action adventure movie. It was just a ton of fun. Yeah. It looked cool. The performances were really mm-hmm. funny and great. Bradley Cooper shows up. I just really really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, me too. Wait, we watched it together, yes. didn't we? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, it, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was about to say, it's a, it, it was probably the best blockbuster yeah, of I was about to say. the past year. Like, it it succeeds in everything a blockbuster needs to do, but it, I don't know, just in terms of both the action and the humor and the creativity, it's just a, a league above every other big studio movie. I, yeah, and I think that's what made it stand out for me this year is I think it was the first movie like that like in the genre I had mm-hmm. seen uh, since kind of Marvel movies. Yeah. And it just kind of made me remember like, oh. At number six, I have a movie called The Starling Girl, which I feel like <laughs> uh, on our like just talking episode a yeah. few weeks ago in December, I think I touched on this a little. This was a little indie movie that came out in January of last year. Ah, yes, I remember now. It I was, Googled yeah, it. it was a first feature, and so it wasn't a super big movie. It flew under a lot of radars, but uh, uh, one of the McPoyles from It's Always Sunny oh, has yes. a supporting role. It's a very dramatic movie. It's not a comedy. So uh, he has a supporting role. He kills it. Also, I think Lord Huron or something, some like popular singer did the soundtrack to it. So that's nice. why people would know it. But it's... Uh, it's about a girl growing up in a fundamentalist Christian community, which I have a little experience in. I didn't 100% grow up in that environment, but I was always kind of adjacent mm. to it. And so it was really cool seeing someone tell that story. And yeah. it's it's a really dramatic movie with some great performances. The lead in it was the youngest girl in the Little Women movie, Greta Gerwig's movie. Okay, yeah, yeah. And it it was really cool seeing her, who only had a little bit to do in that movie, like really carry a movie, and she carried it really well. And it 
it, it, it's a movie I can't get anyone else to watch because right. it is kind of a tough watch. It's about, it's essentially about this teenage girl whose youth pastor kind of preys on her a mm-hmm. little, but yeah, I don't know. So is the devil all the time. That's true. And that movie yeah. goes hard in the paint. Yeah. I mean, if you know the subject matter and you're still comfortable watching it, though, I would I would recommend yeah. watching it. And again, as someone that was kind of adjacent to communities like that and I've heard stories like that. It really yeah, hit. Yeah, it hit. And it's it's something that was that was very accurate. And they definitely took a lot of care in making that movie. And I'm really looking forward to whatever that director does next. next. Hopefully she she gets something. She do Eternals too. <laughs> see, see, that is kind of like <laughs> if this movie blew up the way yeah. that like the writer did, <laughs> she would be in the conversation for like Eternals too. And personally, <laughs> like selfishly, I don't want that to happen. Right. I want to see her do another more drama, drama. More. <laughs> but <clears throat> yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> I think we've we've reached the end of that. Uh-huh. All right, my number six, I believe. Yes, and I'm I'm not making excuses for this one. <laughs> I would have ranked this one higher if this hadn't been such a baller year. Okay, the Hunger Games Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. This okay. movie went so hard, dude. It's so fun. It's so cool. It's so visually pleasing. It's I love Hunger Games as it mm-hmm. is. Like when I was in middle school, I read the books and everything as the movies yeah. were coming out. So I'm a big fan. Dude, it's just a blast of a movie. Yeah. I forgot that movies could just be so like cool. Yeah. You got that dude with the buzz cut. He looks sick. <laughs> you got old uh Rachel from uh uh the uh West Side Story. Doing like a southern accent and singing, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, dude, I love singing. And, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then you know, it's kind of and talk about kind of the deeper themes of yeah. the movie, and I agree with all of them, and and you know, kind of the the making spectacles of terrible events and, and yeah, terrorism. And uh, Jason Schwartzman is hysterical in that movie, dude. That guy has had a, a year. year. <laughs> I mean. Everything about that. I I left that theater being like, you know what? If I never see another movie again, I think I'm okay. Because that was just so much fun. There's, of course, a lot of heart. Mm -hmm. But I'm not trying to get bogged down with emotions right now. (laughs) It's just, I just had a blast from start to finish. Great movie. My number five is Poor Things. Good. Yes. I I love this movie a lot. This is Yorgos... Lathamos, Lathamos. I'm, We're having a hard time pronouncing. I was about to say, there's so many people <laughs> in this list whose names I haven't been able to We couldn't to even get Ayo Adibri's name right earlier. Adibri. God. <laughs> I don't even know if that's how you pronounce God. it. You know, okay, you know what I legitimately think it is? Yeah. Is usually I've been listening to these people on podcasts the entire year, but yes. during the strike, these people weren't on podcasts, right. and I weren't hearing people say their name. You just I've just been seeing tweets. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, Yorgos is one of my favorite directors, just in his unique visual style and tone. And Poor Things is a movie that is very funny, but is also can get very uncomfortable at yeah. the same time, which I think a lot of people aren't gonna like. But I personally liked. Yeah, like uh, Poor Things, it got a bunch of Oscar nominations. It's one of those movies. 
that now that it's nominated for Oscars, a bunch of parents are going to watch it. And then those people are going to be like, what the hell is this? Hollywood is going down the toilet. Why is this on film? And it's like, it's, it's, it's kind of meant for (laughs) a specific generation of people, but it's a Frankenstein movie. It, yeah, that's the, that's the fun thing about it. It is very fantastical and fairy tale esque. And it, it's the most fantastical a Yorgos movie has ever been. He's always had hints of that, but at least the imagery of his movies have always been kind of sterile and clean, or he's done period pieces mm-hmm. before. This is the first like full on fantasy he's done. And he just goes balls to the wall. Yeah. Literally, I've heard. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, that's why a lot of people won't like it. Like, if you're one of these people that doesn't like sex in movies, yeah, uh, this is a movie to skip. <laughs> okay, my number five. I don't think this is going to be a surprise to anyone. Mm-hmm. Scream 6. Yes. I love the Scream franchise. I knew this would be here somewhere. Yep. Yeah. Did we watch that together? No, we didn't. Okay. Uh, the first one is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yep. And I just loved this one. And and you've seen it, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, in this one, so I, I like it a lot more than I liked the last one, mm-hmm. uh, the fifth one. Yeah. Because I realized in this one, uh, so I, I don't, I mean, this isn't a spoiler. I'm not going to say who Ghostface is, but mm-hmm. pretty much in every Scream movie, a lot of people get stabbed. Yeah. And it wasn't until I was watching this movie and some of the main cast members <clears throat> got stabbed that I ca- I realized how much I cared about them, and I was like, yeah. "Oh, I am I'm very invested in this new group of mm-hmm. uh, leads for the new Scream movies." And so, I, and you know, just because you get stabbed doesn't mean you die. This is no spoilers, but mm-hmm. uh, pretty much everyone got stabbed. <laughs> and it just <laughs> That's I, true. I, yeah. I realized like, "Oh, yeah. I really care about these, and I can't wait to see more from yeah. this group." And then, you know, they all got fired, so, yeah. oh well. Man, they really had something going with these new Scream movies. They did. They were, they were, I mean, there there are a few things that I wish were done differently, but overall, they were really taking the reins of the story really well. I think I ranked it, so I did like a ranking on my letterbox of like just the Scream movies, mm-hmm. and I ranked Scream 6 my third favorite in the franchise, yeah. which is, this is up there, man. I mean, I could, I could see it, though, yeah. My number four is Godzilla minus one. Another one that I was like, I wish I had watched that movie before we made this list. Yeah, man. So we were talking about how the Dungeons and Dragons movie achieves being a blockbuster perfectly. Uh, I feel like it is is second only to this movie. I feel like this is like 100% the best blockbuster that came out this past year. The best action movie, the best big budget movie. And... It's really telling that it came from outside of the United States. Yeah. It feels like the U.S. studio system has kind of lost their way a little in what actually makes a giant movie fun. And meanwhile, across the sea where they don't have the same expectations, they're kind of... It essentially, it feels a lot like a classic Spielberg movie. I've, I've heard a lot of people say that. Yeah, yeah. And they're even... There, there are some parts that feel a lot like Jaws. Mm-hmm. There are some parts that f- maybe feel a little like Jurassic Park, but it's not. It never feels like these are people that only watch Spielberg and are trying to copy it. Like it just, it follows the same blueprint as what a Spielberg blockbuster 
was in the 70s. Which was the first blockbuster. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But it's it's relevant to now. It it plays around with the ethos of Godzilla really well. I know there are a ton of Godzilla movies made in Japan and supposedly they're all really good. I think this one kind of fits in the overall Japanese Godzilla franchise. Like there's one scene in there that makes me think it like fits into that, but I've, I haven't seen any of the others, but you don't have to. Okay. Uh, the monster is just handled so well. It's very terrifying. And then it's a movie that has a lot of heart. Like you care about all the characters and thematically it has something really strong at the center of it. That Mm. it's a theme that keeps you interested in the movie, but also all of the action kind of results from the theme. And also like the, 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 the last scene like almost made me cry. And I was like, am I about to cry at a Godzilla (laughs) movie? This is crazy. Got me choked up. yeah, it's it's kind of everything you would want out of a movie, and it's just a testament to how good it is and how much catching up U.S. cinema has to do that this yeah. movie was so successful in the U.S. without even initially being pushed in the U.S. that It's nominated much. for Best VFX at the Oscars. I know, yeah, and it should have got more. Did you see the video where the, uh, the, the VFX team... Was yeah. yeah, they were watching the announcement live. They were all cheering, and they had a bunch of little Godzilla toys that were lined up and watching the announcement too. <laughs> it's wholesome. Yeah, it's just wholesome. Yeah, yeah. It. Uh, I mean, honestly, though, if it was a U.S. movie, it would have it would have gotten more nominations. I believe it. it. Uh, it probably would have been like on par with what Barbie is. If, was it not uh, nominated for best international feature? That's the thing. It wasn't because How they. Uh, because how the international feature works is the film commission for every country could only pick one movie. Oh, okay. And so they usually, you know, they pick like their best drama or their best like Oscar Beatty okay. type movie. Like there have been like, even I talked about a uh, broker, the movie, the monster director yeah. did. And he had my favorite foreign language movie and it wasn't even nominated for the Oscar because the Korean film commission picked another movie. Dang. My number four, and one that I think is going to shock some people. Well, not you. I think you'll mm-hmm. see this one coming. <laughs> okay. uh, a Haunting in Venice. Okay. Uh, the latest Hercule Poirot mystery. Yeah. We saw this one together. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's not shocking to me at all. No. But, uh, no. <laughs> uh, I just, I mean, I love mysteries. It's my yeah. favorite genre. I love Agatha Christie. I love the uh, Kenneth Branagh... Bron- How do you pronounce his last name? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it. But. Uh, <laughs> I love his Hercule Poirot movies. You know, some hit, some miss. But yeah. I just, I just love that there's a, uh, you know, the whodunit genre is alive and well mm-hmm. thanks to like him and Ryan Johnson with the Knives Out movies. And yep. this one, I mean, it was just so cool. Yeah. I mean, this it was like a almost a horror movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's one particular moment. That has just stuck with me ever since we saw it, and that's the first kill, or one of the kills uh, where I'm not going to spoil it, but someone falls mm-hmm. on a sharp object, and like you see the silhouette, and like it's just a visceral moment that's really stuck with me, and it's just I just think it's a really uh, Tina Fey great yep. performance. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, it doesn't utilize Venice as much mm-hmm. as it could. Yeah, but the shots where you do see yeah. the the you know the 
river or they riverways or mm-hmm. like the waterways it's just like such a cool environment for yeah. a murder mystery well, that was almost like one of my favorite things about it was it's a very contained movie like yeah. they're all trapped in one place and it's cool that even a movie with that big of a budget decided to take the risk of being a kind of contained i mean it, it felt like watching a low budget contained horror movie yeah. like would people make horror movies with a very low budget and so they make it all take place in one location but it's got a bigger budget with like more things to work with so it's a cooler location yeah and really cool cinematography mm-hmm. giant cast of characters yeah it was a lot of fun yeah i'm surprised it didn't make your list <laughs> <laughs> we'll see i knew it would i knew you it would knew be it would be yeah. <laughs> my number three is spider-man across the spider-verse i was waiting which... <laughs> i was waiting yeah 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 and it it's it's so strange to me that superhero movies have become more popular and have almost across the board become more formulaic mm-hmm. and everyone's kind of gotten a little more tired of them mm-hmm. but then there's this one group of people that is still making superhero movies and, and they're the just... complete opposite of that yeah. like where every other superhero movie feels more focus grouped and less original and has less heart like these somehow like double down and feel more human than ever before like it's it it's this sprawling action movie across multiple dimensions but at the heart of it it's about like parents relationships with their kids and that like manifests itself in different forms and it's it's one of the coolest things about movies is that you could tell stories about like little intimate personal relationships that are, you know, very similar to relationships we have with people. Like we all have parents with Mm -hmm. unique relationships, but like you could put that and tell that it like on the canvas of a giant action movie. Yeah. And the animation of course just continues to push the genre forward. They're watching it in a theater was crazy. And I'm I'm into visual art. Like I'm not an expert on it, but I like to I like to research painters and stuff. And there's you could tell certain things they're taking inspiration from that I thought I would never see in an animated movie, much yeah. less like a Spider-Man movie. Yeah. And then even when the main villain like kind of gets all his power, there's just this jaw-dropping moment and some of his art style you could like I've seen photos of people will ask people with like severe mental illnesses people that are like psychopaths or serial killers like draw paintings of (coughs) what they feel like and And they're like really freaky paintings and you like see a little of that in like the villain's art style wow yeah and then like the art style also changes not only depending on who the characters are but also like the emotion of the scene wow so like this uh i think this is unique to this movie they didn't do it in the first spider-verse but they they play with like watercolor imagery to where during a really emotional intense scene like the backdrop paints literally just kind of like melt away oh wow and like there's like this kind of liquidy like the the painting melts away and then there's just like this bright pink or blue or orange just whatever the characters feel it's I know stuff like it has been done in the past, but I never seen it like so intense in a movie. Yeah. 
Wow. And it's just, it's also just like a Spider-Man movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Kids yeah, yeah. can appreciate it too, which is, it's such Important. a crazy thing to juggle. But yeah, those wow. movies are incredible. Which leads me to my number three. Okay. Bottoms. Okay. <laughs> yeah. A comedy okay. was going to have to make my top three. Yep. I think it was probably the most impressive comedy of the year. No Hard Feelings was also great. Uh-huh. But Bottoms, I mean, Ao and Rachel Sano, I mean, they're just, their, their comedy writing mm-hmm. is exactly what is like this moment. Like, you know, like what yeah. super bad is to the early 2000s. Yeah. That is what bottoms is to this like Twitter comedian yeah. era. Like yeah. there, you're not going to, there's no, I'm a huge standup comedian fan and I am a comedian. There's not a single standup special that will make you laugh as mm. hard as Twitter during a really <laughs> important, devastating event. Yeah. Yep. And and it's funny because those two mm-hmm. got famous because of Twitter. Yeah, as I was like, I I followed Rachel for years yeah. as a Twitter personality before I knew she ever did, did anything acting wise. And dude, that movie, I mean, it's it's very similar to Superbad in a lot of ways. Yeah, it you know, but it's also very different, mm-hmm. obviously. But it's very similar in the way of like you know, it's set in a high school. It's a high school yeah. comedy. It's about two. Uh, kind of like losers trying mm-hmm. to yeah get laid yeah and i just think that it's the most it's just the most brilliant comedy writing it's so good yeah. uh, marshawn lynch yeah so yeah hilarious dude yeah it's really good on them for like seeing marshawn lynch as a great casting choice because yeah. i i remember seeing him in like football commercials and thinking this guy could actually act. Yeah. Like there are a lot of football players they put in commercials that can't do it. No. Peyton have, Manning. Have, have you ever seen like the, uh, the voice acting in NBA 2K or stuff like that? <laughs> no. <laughs> but I, look, I think I know this up on TikTok. It's a, it's a fun time, but I uh, will, I will. I'll make a note. A lot of athletes, they try to put on TV and they can't even string words together. And this guy is legit. Great. Not, Dude, o- not only co- acting, but improv, improv too. Yeah, I was going to say, he's on that Will Arnett yeah. uh, improv show on yeah. Netflix, and he knocks it out of the park. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, that, I mean, there's, in particular, in Bottoms, one scene that I can't stop thinking about yeah. is the one that Ao improved. Uh-huh. And it's when they're walking to the car, and yeah. she's talking about how her life is going to be end up. Yeah. And she improvs the whole thing. It is the most... Hilarious, bizarre thing you've ever heard. Yeah. You can see Rachel trying not to break. <laughs> it is just brilliant. Yeah. It's brilliant from start to finish. My number two is a little movie you might not have heard of. It's called Oppenheimer. Ooh, yeah. for number two. Yeah. I was expecting number one. <laughs> not quite, but yeah, Oppenheimer. It feels like the most film broy film to pick because it's like a Christopher Nolan movie yeah. or whatever. But it's, it's it, that good. Yeah, it to me it just kind of feels like the most important movie that came out. I mean that and Barbie, which it's again is funny they both came out on the same day. Right. But uh, not not important in like how a lot of Oscar baity movies are like this is about an issue that's important, but right. it really like. I've never left a theater 
with so much kind of impending doom yeah. before. Because yeah. it's a whole movie about how we're the only species in the history of the planet that has created the means of our own destruction. Like, we we have invented technology where we could wipe out all life on Earth, and yeah. it's just, like, out there. And it, it asks the question, how did that come about? Like, I know, I know some people don't like the approach that kind of centers Oppenheimer, mm-hmm. I I don't quite agree with people's interpretations who feel like that's a that's a bad thing because yeah. to me it is kind of a movie about like how damaging pride can be yeah. and how if someone's both really arrogant and really intelligent everyone just kind of bends over backwards for them and feeds into that and it becomes yeah. this toxic cycle and then it ends with that the ends end with of the world yeah, yeah yeah exactly. And I feel like that movie approaches it really well. And then even by the time Oppenheimer kind of realizes the folly of his ways, it's too it's late. too late. Like he he gave into it. And then the whole the whole push and pull of him and Robert Downey Jr.'s character is yeah. really cool. It's really interesting how the film transforms into something else kind of two thirds of the way through mm-hmm. in a way that's like jarring but doesn't feel totally out of place really interesting screenplay yeah of course every every white actor on the planet is in this <laughs> they all very true do a good job i uh yeah i i really appreciate how the movie was approached and what it's saying and yeah also it and barbie coming out on the same day like i feel like those movies kind of have a lot of similarities that yeah. I haven't heard a lot of people talk about, but they both are kind of about how uh, <laughs> prideful men can <laughs> destroy, can destroy the, world. the world. One yeah. kind of ends more optimistically, and this one is kind of a little more realist of kind of, well, no, we've kind of fucked up, and now this is where we're at. Maybe yeah. we could change it and prevent world destruction. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. Doesn't look likely. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, dude, what I really love about the movie... And I don't, and I, I don't think a lot of people will agree. Is, uh, I it's a movie about how your mistakes make you feel. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people are like, who cares how he feels? He's the yeah. one that did it. He's a monster. But it's yeah. like, no. I mean, people make mistakes. I yeah. mean, that's a hefty one. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. everyone makes mistakes. Like even the, the, I guess I say smaller, because mm-hmm. the, the whole movie's about his mistakes. Yeah. His relationship with his wife. Yeah. And the mistakes he makes in that and how that makes him feel. Yeah. His mistakes with coworkers, his mistakes with, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, you know, bombing a country yeah. and, and how it makes him feel. Yeah. And people, a lot of people don't like that. Like mm-hmm. how you were saying. Yeah. But I think it, I mean, that, that scene when everyone's cheering. Yeah. And the way that no one does that scene is like, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Cause like, I get where some people would come from of not wanting to like center a person like that. But again, like it, it says something to the effect of like, even for people that are chasing fame and glory, like it's not going to end up well for them, but also like every supporting character in that movie, like almost the entirety of it, except for Robert Downey Jr. is just bending over backwards for Mm -hmm. this dude and feeding into his, the ego and yeah that was that was really interesting like 
I feel I feel like this was the best way to to tell the story. Yeah. And yeah, hopefully people like actually take away the right things from it and yeah. we don't blow ourselves up. You can hope. Yeah. All right. My number two, the Iron Claw. Okay. See, this was this was one of those movies that I liked a lot, but yeah. I knew you would talk about. So Yeah, no, it was my number two movie. And uh it ranks so high because it, it hits hard for me. Yeah. I, I I'm a professional wrestler. Yeah. Semi retired professional wrestler. Yeah. Uh, I already knew the history of the Von Ericks mm-hmm. and uh and it's just a beautiful movie it was really cool to see all of the old you know the Mm -hmm. sportatorium the how professional wrestling was back then and kind of its glory days so like that as like just like a historical point of view was really cool because it's like oh wow i'm getting there's not a lot of pro wrestling media out there that's not just pro wrestling yeah and so to see it is like really cool and then to to see other people learn about pro wrestling other than just what they see like WWE John Cena mm-hmm. RKO from Randy Orton is it was really cool you know to to watch the movie with you and you know mm-hmm. PD and Shaman and just like something that I've been very passionate about and I know everything there is to know about mm-hmm. to see other people learn about that's really cool but then also mm-hmm. it's just like what a emotional like the brother mm-hmm. story a story yeah. about brothers and it's just like it's it's a it feels small and big at the same time it feels like yeah. a small movie but it felt very big the really good description of it yeah my number one movie of the year am i guessing what well, i don't know what this means Talk to me. Oh, I was like, again, another movie I didn't see. And I was like, my guessing. What I thought you were just gonna go like, and I'd be like, talk to me, but then it took a little bit. I was like, hello, hello. <laughs> oh, okay, yes, okay, man. I should have seen this coming. I'd missed yeah. this. I didn't even think yeah. of it. God, I, uh, dude, I have not been able to stop thinking about talk to me. Talk to since me. it came out. It's. Because because a lot of movies on this list have been very long movies, very ambitious movies, dramatic movies or blockbuster movies. And this was just like a 90 minute straightforward horror movie. But it accomplishes that so well in a way that is just just very impressive because it the the central monster of the whole thing just it feels very well thought out very lived in it does a great job of establishing the rules of what the monster is you're never confused about what it does at any moment but there's never like some out of place expositional dump that doesn't feel natural the characters all feel really real they're really funny moments at the beginning and then it gets more dramatic and then it ends like really dark and there's an underlining theme throughout the whole thing that's really interesting. And just the, the central idea, I know we've talked about it a little, but uh, researching the film, which also the film was made by YouTube. two YouTubers. Yeah. yeah. They, were, they were big on YouTube. 
even though they uh, they never made money off YouTube because they, uh, they just kept making stuff. They're just two crazy people that <laughs> that were not interested in being monetized. Nope. <laughs> that's, uh, that's all I'll say about that. But uh, but uh, they're you could tell through their YouTube experience their understanding of like they did a lot of stunt stuff. Their understanding of action and what makes a compelling action scene is evident. But it's also evident in how understanding the visual medium of film like through action sequences carries on into the whole narrative and i was i was looking them up and i found out that they they based the film on a short film that a friend of theirs had made and the concept of the short film is people find something that allows them to be possessed and they like kind of get a thrill off of it and so it's almost like they're doing drugs. It's like they mm. get a hit of the spirit being yeah. inside them and they try to get it out. And so there's this obvious allegory toward like the dangers of drug use and addiction and how it affects people. That's just manifested beautifully in the main character, but it never feels like a film that's about the dangers of drug use could very quickly feel like a, a true PSA, TV commercial, yeah. but uh, yeah, this never feels like that. And the lead performance is incredible. Yeah. It's it's kind of the same as uh, when Lupita Nyong'o was in Us. Like, if the Oscars respected horror at all, it like, she would be yeah. getting awards. But, yeah. man, great movie. And it... It almost it almost makes screenwriting look too easy. <laughs> the fact that they, it's so they can do all that. Down. Yeah, yeah. And hearing them talk, like, they've definitely done a lot of work like they they've done a whole lot of world building and research and exploration of what this world is that is barely in the movie at all but you could just feel that it's there yeah but it's also it's never too obsessed with the monster and the world that it loses sight of the characters and the story is centered around the characters and it it is a hell of a directorial debut, debut. My number one movie All right. of 2023, ladies and gentlemen, Oppenheimer. Okay. Yeah. And nice. we've talked about it in, at length, yeah, so yeah. we don't have to go about it again. I just, I mean, that movie, walking out of that theater is like, yeah. it's, it feels like the biggest movie I've ever seen. I, I will say this about Oppenheimer. I think it's really funny how uh, a big part of the movie is just Robert Downey Jr.'s character is like, oh, are they mad at me? <laughs> And that's me. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh man, I feel like that guy. What was he talking to Einstein about me? Yeah. Being so self-obsessed <laughs> that you're like, oh, the two most brilliant minds in physics yeah. must be talking about me. Dude, we we were talking about Twitter humor when yeah. we were talking about bottoms. Another another funny tweet about Oppenheimer was someone pointed out that whenever you see Einstein in a movie he doesn't feel like a real person. It kind of feels like you're watching a cartoon character. Yeah, he's, he's like a, a fictional character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, it's like, uh, he's, uh, he's like the word for genius. You forget yeah. that he was actually a real That's person. A guy. And he also looks so cartoony. <laughs> so yeah. Hey, this has been our top 10 movies of 2023. We hope you'd enjoyed it. Uh, if you didn't, I don't know. 